Presented here is a free teaser for this month's edition of the Top Rope Nation Classics Patreon bonus podcast. Every single month, we release a deep dive on a classic wrestling event as voted on by our supporters on Patreon. It's a true historical deep dive. The only place to hear these shows in full? Join the Patreon page for just $5 per month. The link is right here in the podcast description. Patreon is the best way to support the show. So click that link in the episode description and read all about it. It's patreon.com slash Nation and enjoy this special free preview. Dude, it's Severn Ganya rapping. It's so funny. I don't know if you guys noticed right before we started. I, that I, I put you guys or I put myself on mute. It was because I started that because like I hadn't watched it since Jesse initially sent it to us. I, was like, I gotta go, I gotta watch this again before we start the show again. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. How is that? How is that for the start of the 41st Top Rope Nation classics as we get ready to talk about Wrestle Rock 86? And yes, indeed, the infamous Wrestle Rock Rumble, Jesse Velasquez. Thank you for joining us on the show tonight, sir. Being in attendance, number one, and I'm going to pin myself TRN bald for the evening, if you guys don't mind. <laughs> nice. I know. I got to up the game tonight. First time on Classics, number one, and number two, I've heard of the last handful of episodes, and I know that there's been a, a fair amount of alcohol involved. Oh, yes. Yes. Always. So I'll, I'll start sipping as, as, we, as we roll along, and just for the record, if I black out in a couple of different ways, don't hold it against me, folks. <laughs> you know, what are you, you going to be sipping on, by the way? Sorry to cut you off, Justin. No worries. So I think I told you both about this. I have a little studio oh, distilling rye malt whiskey. It's a very small company. It's now moved to Northeast Minnesota. If you look up under the San Francisco World Spirits Competition in 2019, they won double gold. Mm. for this rye malt whiskey that is in this beautiful cup Ooh, here. Yeah, it looks good. So we're going to sip it on the rocks this evening. I recommend if you come to Minnesota, again, it's very small, contact me first. I'll get a hold of Brad and he'll be able to take care of you. If you do come to Minnesota, you don't want to see him directly, go to Total Wine. That's the best place. Yes, it is. I've been there. That place is like Toys R Us for us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fans of <laughs> adult beverages. <laughs> yes, indeed. You will not be seeing the Triple H Metrodome if you go to Minnesota these days, but we're going to take <laughs> you back in time to see that place here as we talk about Wrestle Rock. Uh, Justin, what do you got on the glass? In the glass, sir. Well, it, it's funny. On my way home from work, I stopped at our local uh, uh, Happies, you know, our where we get all of our adult beverages for the most part. Because I was going to grab some Surly for the show. I figured I got to drink something from, you know, Minnesota mm-hmm. for this. Uh, Completely forgot about that because I ended up in the whiskey section looking for that whiskey that uh, Frank recommended mm-hmm. on the Facebook. And, and unfortunately, Ryan, I did not see it. Yellow Rose, ah. I believe what it's called. So 
Uh, I don't know. We still have a chance to maybe check high V, but uh, yeah. I, I, so to answer your question, I'm, I'm just sipping on some Jameson's tonight. Ah, okay. Well, you guys are with the hard liquor. I'm actually I'm taking it back to the 80s here. I got the cheap beer right now. Well, Coors Banquet. Nice. But Justin, funny you should say that because I will be moving on. Probably my all-time favorite beer, just you know, everyday man's beer, Surly Furious. Always love Surly. I always wow. have this in my fridge. It was like the first craft beer that I got really heavy into. And I felt just like you were saying, appropriate enough, a Minnesota beer taking us to the Twin Cities tonight. So, so. It, the best I can do is I, you know, for anybody just listening and not watching, I'm wearing my Minnesota Timberwolves hat to both celebrate this this show and promotion from Minnesota and Minneapolis, but also to commiserate them getting knocked out of the playoffs last night. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, Jesse, you got your Vikings jersey on too. So yeah, you're you're remaining true to the the home state here. And as you said, you were at this show, so you're going to give us the live perspective. We've done this in the past where we've had some of us who were at the events. We did WrestleMania 22 where I was there. Uh, Kyle was at um, Invasion. We did Invasion 2001. Now we got Jesse here who attended this one. And Justin, we're going to have to do a show that you were at. I guess it's going to be NWO sold out someday, huh? Oh, God. Do we want to <laughs> rewatch that one? I know. Probably not. But we're going to have to get that <laughs> one somehow voted in in January one of these years. But uh, all right. I mean, let's just start off then. You know, we always talk about what we were doing at the time. Well, I'm a, little, a couple of years younger than you guys. I'm not going to have much to share. I was two years old. But uh <laughs> Jesse, at the show, tell us the story. How did this come about for you to attend Wrestle Rock? My father, actually, we'll go back a little further. My mom and my dad, both families, watched pro wrestling growing up. So I think I'm third generation, started with my grandparents. And in 1985, I remember being at my grandma and grandpa's house and my uncle walks in the door and he has this animal and hawk road warrior shirt on all white with just their figures, just their faces. I was mesmerized right there. And then he's like, oh, well, wrestling's coming on in an hour. Do you want to watch it? It just so happened that they opened up that card or they were the first wrestlers that were shown on the show. Oh. As soon as that happened. How, I'm sorry. How old so, were you? I was five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just remember them doing a promo and then they showed maybe 45 seconds to a minute of them just running roughshod over some jobbers. And from there, that's how I started watching the AWA. I got into the WWF in early 1986. I remember a Saturday night's main event where it was Hulk Hogan teaming with Andre the Giant against Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. Hmm. I watched that in my grandparents' attic. Yes, that was right before WrestleMania 2. I guess back to how I got the tickets again, my father, one of his good friends. And then I think another one of his friends, there was four of us. And if you see the camera as it's being panned onto the mat, we are actually on the camera side. So the camera shooting in, we're back. So like anything that was being shot head on, that's what I could see as well when I was there. Okay, nice. Justin, you're a young man at this point in time. Had you started watching pro wrestling much? I, I was aware of it, I think mm -hmm. is the best I can. Cause this was, I mean, rock and wrestling has had happened by this point. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would have only been five and a half when this show took place. So I, I would, 
wouldn't say I was watching regularly, but I was certainly aware of it and uh, strictly a WWF fan too. I honestly, my awareness of AWA was basically zilch, and even today, my knowledge is is essentially just what WWE told me in their documentary about it. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that's a little slanted. All right, so we're live at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, 2.30 p.m., roughly 21, 22,000 fans in attendance. I mean, they booked this big building, the stadium. They do a, I mean, that's a respectable number for an arena show. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Should they have it been make, running the Metrodome? <laughs> it makes for some bad visuals, especially for the first, like, half of the show, especially yeah. the first third when... It is like, it looks like it's half filled. And then depending on where the camera, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on where the camera shot, it's completely empty. <laughs> so just yeah, they, the, the, the layout in general of the show was not well thought out. No, they should have been way more mindful of how they position their cameras. Cause if they, when they shoot from like, I think it's the right side looking left, you see all the empty seats. When they shoot from the left side looking right, you see mostly full seats in that corner of the dome. And they should have only shot from that side in the hard cam. And they would have been fine. But the, yeah, it's really jarring when they show that look where it's just all empty seats. And uh, it, that doesn't look good. doesn't look great. But, I mean, yeah, that's still a lot of tickets sold. But, you know, they could have sold out one of the arenas that you mentioned, Jesse, there in town. And mm-hmm. probably not done 22,000. But, you know, I don't know, close. I don't know what those places at. But it would have been a raucous crowd. Civic Center, I think, was 18,000, and Met Center was 14, I believe. Okay. Yeah, the gate was 300,000, which is a pretty solid number. And then for also reference, the NWA ran Jim Crockett, the Crockett Cup, two, like in split in a double header. And the first one was only 3,500, so they ran the tournament, and then they had the quarters, the semis, and the finals in the second variation and that was in the superdome only at thirteen thousand people as well so this outdrew it at least okay and i mean as a minnesota not to get too much into uh history but i gotta ask you what are your thoughts on hubert h humphrey <laughs> i don't necessarily know if i can repeat those right here on air can i right <laughs> <laughs> well you know what it's funny because I was uh, teaching about Vietnam today, so I talked about him a little bit as the VP back then. I actually gave the guy some props. I said, hey, you know what? Lyndon Johnson should have listened to him because he was kind of against the war in Vietnam when it started up. So he actually was right on that. But uh, yeah, I I only got up to the Metrodome one time. Justin, you see much at the Metrodome before yeah, you I tore it down? I, I, went, I got to a couple Yankee games up there. Okay. When they sucked. And I think the first, you know, everybody looks at the Yankees as this dynasty that never loses and spends big money. I think they lost the first eight games I ever went to and like got crushed. I went to one where they went through all their pitchers. This was in uh, Kansas city. They went through all their pitchers and ended up having to have their shortstop pitch at the end of the game. Oh my God. Atrocious. Yeah. I had just the worst luck. I'm surprised you kept going. My dad, my dad kept taking me. Jeez, that's bad. The Don Mattingly years, they were an okay team. They were at least 500 or a little better most of those years. Not when I was there. Dang. That's rough. That is rough. Um, So as the show opens up, we've got, let's see, was this actually the first match? Because I I ran into some issues here where when I was looking up (laughs) the card and then watching it, stuff was out of order as it airs on Peacock. 
So on Peacock, the first match is the Boris Zukov versus uh, Brad Rangan's match. Is that is that actually the first match on the show? I need to cross check that. I, I believe that, it was third. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at cage match, they have the little person match first. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, and so, then they have the women's rumble after that. Who, who altered that? Was that AWA or was that WWE? I would imagine it was WWE. And uh, there's a reason why the Midnight Rockers and Buddy Rose Doug Summers match is not on the Peacock version. It's on one of Shawn Michaels' personalized WWE DVDs. I forgot the name of it. It starts with a D. It's like My Destiny or something along those lines. Hmm. You can find it on that. And it might be on Peacock, but you can find that match on ESPN. Yeah. Do you you know why it wasn't included? I think it was because they transferred the match to the DVD for Shawn Michaels oh, personally. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because that's a pretty solid match as well, as we will get into here. Um, all right. Thoughts on this opener, Jesse? Brad Reagan's more known, I would say, as a trainer and mm-hmm. an accomplished amateur wrestler as opposed to a pro wrestler. So he's basically... Kurt Angle without the charisma and the gold medals. <laughs> so I, gonna... I love they were hammering home, you know, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist and uh, as an assistant coach, assistant not exactly. Winning a, yeah. yeah, not exactly a uh, Olympic gold with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> he was favored. He was his favored to medal in 1980, but the United States boycotted the Moscow Olympics mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah. So. He had a shot at it, but obviously we'll never know. I'll go through a handful of the guys that he trained and Medusa because there, there's a lot of them. Stuart's going to appreciate the name droppage here. So, Stuart, we're going to shout you out a multiple times throughout this podcast. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Kurt Hennig, Jake the Snake Roberts, Jerry Lynn, Vader, the Nasty Boys, JBL, Rick Steiner, Scott Norton, and Kevin Kelly, who you may know as Nails. perfect perfect he um i gotta tell you he he has been over the years i don't think i've seen him in a couple years but he has been a constant presence at the the tragos thes hall of fame here in waterloo he's there quite often i've seen him there several times yeah so i'm still from appleton minnesota they hammer that home on the announcement oh my god that was basically my only note for this match is like i believe he's from appleton minnesota i'm not a hundred percent sure so he must still be in the midwest because he's made his way down to iowa i've seen him a number of times gapes listening and ryan huffman i'm sure they've seen brad rankins out out there as well but uh yeah you know as the match starts rankins uh takes a little or maybe he was uh showing sean michaels the way about 11 years later because he blows his nose and wipes his ass with the Soviet flag, much like Shawn Michaels with the Canadian flag at survivor series 97. Same thing. That was one of two things that I remembered about it. The other one was when he jumped in over, over the top ropes into the ring, Gary, Michael Capetta collapsed a little bit and fell into the ring ropes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You could nice. see him just a little bit, and I believe it was Sheik Adnan El Casey, I think was UCOS manager, or was it uh, General yep. Akbar, one of the two, had to yeah. prop him up a little bit. Hilarious. <laughs> Real quick, can somebody tell me why we only had one commentator for half this show? 
was some was somebody late showing up like the majority of the crowd was he stuck in line with all the rest of them well i'm trying to remember if larry nelson was the one that was doing the ringside interviews along with ken resnick i think that they were going back and forth but one note about rod trongard that i got from awa unleashed it's a recent podcast locally here with slick mick Karch, who I believe did some Florida work as well. I think he was kind of the host for the syndicated shows back then. Is that they said that he was transitioning from being a radio guy pretty much his entire broadcasting career. This was one of his first maybe six to 10 months on the job as a television guy. So you would, that's why you heard the repetitive. Appleton, Minnesota, and then you heard Buck Zumhoff later from Hamburg, Minnesota. He, he, yeah, we could get into that later too, but yeah, Trongard was more comfortable for radio as opposed to television. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, so early on in the match, uh, Rangans gets in some offense, but then it's mostly dominated by Zukov for a good stretch of time. Um, Rangans fights back with right hands. He works uh, the left leg of Zukov. He Dashes Zukov's leg across the ring.